that's what happens when there's economic hardship and the trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> not only economic hardship, but there is there's many other hardships, you know, trauma, abuse, economic hardships altogether. Is yeah. that like what happens and how um, families can get ripped apart and you know how children are left in a care of another caretaker um, uh, to provide. Welcome to Winning the Divine Lottery podcast. This is an opportunity for you to discover your birthright, your inherent worthiness. You are more than enough to live the life your heart desires. You are truly worthy of it all. I'm your host, Amy Dons. Let's do the world a favor and step into ourselves fully so we can give others permission to do the same. episode is sponsored by locally owned and operated Anytime Fitness Regina, your small, friendly, community-filled gym that has a little something for everyone. At Anytime Fitness, you can work out anytime. Get 24-7 access to every location with your membership anywhere in the world. We have multiple memberships, including deals for students, healthcare workers, and emergency responders. Stay active this fall and give Anytime a try. Contact Lindsay for your free trial and personalized trainer session at 306-205-7220. Again, that's 306-205-7220. Welcome everybody in this heartwarming and truly inspiring conversation with Maribai. We go right into the pain she has endured, which has been her greatest teacher in life. We talk about intergenerational trauma, how you can get through life after being born into a family with dysfunction and devoid of love, and how you can turn your pain into purpose. Mirabai is a rock of strength and resilience. She is one of the most vulnerable women I have connected with to date, and her ability to share without shame all of the trauma she has been through sets the stage for what we are truly capable of healing through. In 2008, Mirabai purchased 20 acres of land to start her Center for Healing, as well as personal and transpersonal development. She has studied with Babajan, an Indian mystic who introduced her to the concept of self-study and using the path of self-love and self-compassion to healing ourselves and the world. Through all of this study, she has created her own modalities that formulate people to be able to address relational trauma and promote transformative learning and return oneself to an evolved state of being, that which of self-love and self-compassion. In 2020, she founded the Center for Self-Relational Study and began to do self-relational work as a self-relational guide, mentor, and coach. Hi, Mirabai. It's so nice to have you here. Oh my goodness. I can't believe where you are, first of all. Um, It's so neat that we can connect this way, and it feels like you're right here in the same space with me. I read a little bit about your story and I really would love to hear it straight from your voice and your expression, if you wouldn't mind starting out with what brought you to exactly where you are right now and share that with our listeners, if you wouldn't mind. Wow, that's a big question. (laughs) Thank you, by the way, Amy, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I, I'm so grateful to be here. I'm excited and nervous at the same time because mm-hmm. this is my first interview. So, um, I just want to, just want to give you so much credit for everything that you do and, and, and thank you for inviting me. So I'm really grateful. Uh, in terms of that question, what brought me here? Um, uh, pain, lots of pain, um, I think pain has been my greatest teacher. Mm. Um, But in life, that's what the pain is, isn't it? Um, 
it's a pain becomes point of your transformation. And for me, uh, in my life, it was either, either I die or I do. And it was that. It was like those two options. Um, luckily, I have in my life a really beautiful angel, my aunt, who um, raised me. And um, wow, I can't believe I'm... <laughs> I can't believe I'm crying. Um, she was my life threat to this life. Um, and the reason, part of the reason why I decided to stay here and do my journey and um, find myself and, um, and devote myself to helping others who are suffering and who are lost and confused and, and in pain. So, um, because that's the only way life makes sense to me is, you know, to help others. It doesn't feel fulfilling just to live for self. Hmm. So uh, I think that the pain is what brought me here, <laughs> believe it or not. Well, thank you for being so vulnerable and already opening your heart and allowing just the emotions to be here and to be seen and to be present and I see you and I welcome all of you I would love if you feel comfortable mm -hmm. or uncomfortable we can get a little uncomfortable <laughs> let's dive into that pain a little bit more what was the pain because you're in Ithaca now right what, what what was the pain that you had to endure go through in order to come to this place of finding yourself and helping others? Uh, it was the pain of, of not having my mother's love, um, not having my um, mother's loving presence and not having a father in my life who I can fully trust. I love my father. Um, he's an amazing guy. I mean, both of them have um, transcended two and a half years apart from each other. Wow. Um, I lost dad when I was 37 and mom when I was um, just turned 40. Um, and the difference between them is 17 years apart. My dad, my mom was 17 uh, younger than my dad. And uh, so the pain that that came from is from my mother's wounding and my father's wounding and my grandmother's wounding from my mother's side and my grandmother's wounding from my father's side. So it was, I inherited this intergenerational trauma um, and I was born into family that was like filled with fear and anxiety and completely devoid of love. And, um, you know, they were living life from a, that place of fear. Um, and my aunt was like, my aunt was one of those beacon of light in the family. Somehow, I don't know what kind of magic she has, but she kind of was able to retain that loving part of herself that like, you know, she was the only one that um, I remember just like being loving and affectionate and she, she still is <laughs> she just she just can't help herself <laughs> and um, she just loves immensely and it, honestly it was her love that really um, got me through the rough waters um, you know they say you know in life when you're born in dysfunctional family like you need to have like one person in your life that you can feel like safe with like one even if it's for like a short period of time to like give you that enough strength to move through turbulent times you know because when you become a teenager boy you know everything is coming to the surface you know emotions and everything is uh, ranging and raging in you and I definitely became extremely depressed very early on. Um, 
particularly when I hit my, you know, when I, when I turned actually 14, 15, I was a pretty depressed teenager. Um, but luckily, <laughs> I think divine all, will always send somebody my way, you know, like a guidance counselor who takes me on the day wing, you know, when my aunt wasn't there, um, a teacher in school that ended up loving me. Uh, and embracing me and taking me even to their home, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, those people like that was set in my life, you know, giving me just a little bit of reservoir of love so that I can continue on, you know, so I can move forward. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they ever know the impact that they had on my life, you know, but um, I also don't think that we realize the impact that we have on other people's lives, you know. Um, when we are being loving and present and caring. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I love when you said reservoirs of love. Oh, that feels so abundant to me. And it feels like we're cared for, even if it maybe isn't from the people that maybe should have cared for us in that way or given us that love. And that intergenerational trauma is something that I've seen. And, and let me know if, if you resonate with this, that I've seen really brought to our awareness more now than ever before. And I really truly feel that people like you and I were put here for a purpose a greater purpose of being able to be actually that beacon of light to be able to heal so much of that generational trauma that when we heal it within ourselves, we also heal it for our mom and our dad and our grandma and our ancestors. And it's such a beautiful thing. It's a, it's interesting because I, I wouldn't wish what we go through, you know, upon anybody, but it's through that adversity and through that pain and through that trauma that we really come through it resilient and, and born again, almost to the point that we become then those loving vessels for other people. And I'm a big believer too, that from the moment we're conceived, like, even if I don't know, and you might not know what it was like for your mom when she knew she was pregnant with you, but I still believe that from the moment we're conceived that we're already contributing to other people. We're already um, giving off this frequency of love and inspiration. And, you know, like when we're babies and somebody can see a baby smile, like we don't know even from that young of an age, how we could have impacted and influenced somebody's lives. So I love that you brought that up, that you had a lot of guides who might not even know how much you, they were part of that reservoir of love for you and how much you've been that for other people as well. Can you share a little bit about the story of being born in the U S and then what happened when when you went back home and and share a little bit about that yeah um my my dad migrated here in early 1960 and uh he married my mom in 1976 and i was born in 1977 um my mom was um, born in a very small village um, from very poor family. My dad too came from a very poor family, a lot of dysfunction, but he wanted to have a better life. So he, um, he came to the United States. And um, yeah, I, I was, <laughs> my mom, the story is, my dad told me this, um, my mom got pregnant with me while they were in Serbia. They had to stay in Serbia for three months for her to get a citizenship. And at that time, um, and that's when they found out. Um, I know that my mom had a lot of nausea. Um, she wanted to have, my dad said that she wanted to abort me because she didn't feel good. Um, my dad was against it. 
So I was born in the United States in Queens Hospital, <laughs> Elmira Hospital in Queens. Um, and um, but my mom fled to Serbia because there was a domestic violence. And my dad was very insecure, 17 years older than her. Um, he had some delusions around my mom cheating on him, which wasn't happening because my mom couldn't even like, she didn't know anything. She just got there. Um, so basically my mom fled because she felt captive in the house. She wasn't working. She was just with me. Um, so she fled uh, with me to, to Serbia. Um, and then my dad followed, as I told you in a little bit of my bio. Um, and um, basically begged my mom to come back with him. And she put the terms. The term was she works and she leaves me behind. So I was left behind in this. And the agreement was that they come back to get me when I am six years old to start my school in um United States. And how old were you when they left you there? Year and a half. Wow. They left me with um, with my mother's grandmother. And my aunt at that time was there. My aunt is only 12 years older than me. So my aunt was probably, so that was year and a half. My aunt was, uh, what, like 13, I think. Um. So my aunt really, she said the first time she saw me, she fell in love with me. So um, I became, you know, my aunt's favorite child, the only child. <laughs> you know, she still jokes to this day and says that I am her first child and she made all the mistakes on me. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, so they left me and I don't remember really meeting my parents until I was five when they came back basically to get me um which that didn't go well because I freaked out and I was attached to my aunt and I wasn't gonna leave my aunt and I threw a big tantrum and I cried and and um they decided to like let me be and let me stay there so that's that's how it ended up being wow I just really want to take a moment to, it's so important for me to acknowledge you. And even though you don't have a conscious memory of that time in your life, I mean, that's still held in your body. Like your, your soul still knows your subconscious mind has memory of that. And to have to have your parents abandon you, even though they felt they were doing the right thing. That's still something so detrimental for a one and a half year old little girl to have to experience. You know, as much as that seems a lot in my culture at that time, that, that was happening a lot where parents would leave their children with their parents and go into another country and live and work to provide mm. yeah um, my grandmother not only raised me but she raised my cousin which is uh, my uncle's daughter and she was also a year when they her parents left her with my grandmother to take care of her to take care of her and to take care of me so you know it's like also Sometimes when it comes to economy, and this is, I think, maybe what, you know, me coming from two different cultures, you know, being, you know, coming from Serbian culture, just considered like a, for a long time, a third world country, and then also coming from United States, the opposite country, and having awareness of both culture is that parents in my culture will sacrifice everything to provide for their children, even if it means leaving their kids behind with their parents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm so I'm so glad that you brought that up and um, are giving that explanation that, and I still want to acknowledge that little girl in you. Oh you yeah. Know I know. I mean? yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's what happens when there's economic hardship and the trauma mm -hmm. Um, they're not only economic hardship, but there is there's many other hardships, you know, trauma. 
abuse, economic hardships altogether, is yeah. that like what happens and how um, families can get ripped apart and, you know, how children are left in a care of another caretaker um, uh, to provide. Yeah, so grateful, though, that you had your grandmother and your aunt there for you and that they felt probably to you at six because you were familiar with them. They were the ones who were able to be there and hold you and care for you that that's what you wanted to choose for yourself because that's where the love was at the time. So you said you got to age 16. Is that right? And then you Mm -hmm. moved back. Um, and <laughs> interesting enough, um, when I was 15, 16, I was starting to feel like as a woman being in Serbia at that time, um, I felt I didn't have a room for myself to grow, um, and expand, um, in terms of tradition and culture. Um, uh, and, uh, also another trauma happened that, uh, kind of put the fire, for better word, under my ass, <laughs> and um, made me move. But um, I had sexual trauma at the age of 16. Uh, I was date raped, and that uh, was a big, uh, a big pivotal point in my life that made me want to escape that place and remove myself from the place where I felt like highly traumatized by it. and. Um, so I left to run away from that trauma, but um, it followed me. <laughs> um, you know, the shadow follows you wherever you go. So yeah. even though that time I thought relocation will help me deal with it better, um, but eventually over a period of time I realized it worked for a little while. It was a honeymoon stage, you know, uh, not really honeymoon stage because I had a really rough transition. Um, a lot happened when I was 16. Um, date rip date happened in January. Um, in March, I am moving to the United States. In April, my dad gets into a car accident and he's about to die. He's on a life support and coma and my mom is freaking out and being totally verbally, emotionally abusive towards me. And so it was like that period of literally eight months, I was in total hell um, until, you know, my dad came out of the coma um, and things started to calm down because my mom had the idea of selling home if my dad dies and going back to Serbia and she didn't care whether I wanted to come back to Serbia or not. Like I was kind of going to be on my own. That That's kind of what her threat was to me. So, um, yeah, that was like a, a pretty, pretty crazy period of my time. Oh, I'm just taking deep breaths as I listen to you and... It's, it's, it's your story though, Mirabai, that, that I can feel right now as much as it was painful for you and that you had to endure that, that the reason that you're this woman sitting in front of me here today is because you had something in you, something pulling you, something calling you, something guiding you to be able to overcome that and come through that where, like, how did you get through that? How did you get through that? And what led you onto this spiritual journey that you've been on? More trauma. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Yay for trauma. Oh, that's terrible. But it's just, Oh, more drama. Um, I, so in terms of spirituality, uh, my grandmother was extremely religious and she still is. My grandmother is 
92 years old and she's still fasting every Wednesday, every Friday. And she's fasting 40 days for Christmas and 40 days for Easter. And she doesn't miss any of it. She's like on the clock, like she's a soldier. Um, which I think why her health is the best. She has yeah. better health than her daughters. <laughs> and we all joke <laughs> about that. And um, but my grandmother was really big on early part of my life teaching me about um um, I was born in uh, Christian Orthodox religion and same as Catholic, but it's Christian Orthodox. And um, she taught me 10 commandments as very early on. And I used to fast as a child very early on five years old. I would fast fasting, know? like complete elimination of food, like just water or what kind of fasting? No, the fasting that we do in, uh, um, in this particular religion is that you don't eat any meat, um, uh, any dairy product, um, any sweets, you just eat, you cook vegetables on water. And that's all you can have. Okay. And bread. Mm-hmm. And, fish. and fish. That's all you can have. Okay. And, and then at some point, you can you allowed to add oil in the water. And now imagine how fast your body processes that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you you uh, it fasts you know processes that really fast. But so she told me like basic commandments that I really internalized that. And um, but at the same time, very early on, I found I rejected uh, Christianity because of this whole part of sinfulness. I remember I was maybe five or six years old in the church. It was five o'clock in the morning and we were there praying and to receive the communion and the priest will say, sinners confess. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what sins have I committed? Like, I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't, I don't hurt anybody. Like, you know, I've been fasting. I've been doing like, I remember being as a kid so mad and upset. And I just kind of, I shut off. I shot off to the religion. Um, that was the first my sh- first shot off to religion to my religion, and and then when the date rape happened, that totally destroyed my relationship with God. Absolutely, any relationship I had, um, when the date rape happened, I told myself I'm not worthy now to be in front of God, because, oh. and I I turned away from God. And so it took me a really long time to even use the word God. It could not come out of my mouth. It was like, I probably started using word God in my late thirties. That's how long it taken me. So, but I, I would be okay using divine, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. not God. It was like, it was so hard to use it. So anyhow, fast forward, I'm now 20 and I've been in relationship with my ex-boyfriend at that time for like oh I think like three years and I get pregnant um and what is it like nine no I was 19 turning 20 and I am second year in my college and my um, boyfriend at that time doesn't respond really well to that and that gave me education that I cannot actually keep this child because we're going to end up get divorced and I was not going to be a single mother. And also if I was to keep this pregnancy, it would mean dropping out of school. And it would also mean my mom would win and I would be a bum and nothing anybody, which my mom used to say that to me all the time. And so like me going to school was me rebelling against my mother and proving to myself and to her like that, I'm not going to become a bop or nothing or nobody, you know? And so I ended up between those two factors that my ex-boyfriend told me that he couldn't talk to me when he got the news that I'm pregnant and to call me back later. And my fear of how my family is going to react, what my mom is going to do, you know, all the combination. I was so full of fear that I decided to have abortion, which absolutely destroyed me absolutely absolutely disappointing. I never thought it would um but it did I fell into even deeper depression and um like after a year of being in therapy I went to therapy and I was just going to this woman just talking to her and she would just listen 
and next week I'll do the same thing. But I never get into that deep, right? And then one day I walked in and I said to her, you know what? I come here every week. I talk about bullshit, like what happened to me throughout the week. Nothing is changing. Like, I'm freaking done. Like, I'm not coming here anymore. And I left and enabled my own back because I just realized it wasn't helping me. And that's when I began to seek and search. And I read the book Alchemist. Mm -hmm. And the book Alchemist really ignited something in me. And, um, and that's how it began. And then soon after, I kind of got introduced to this Tai Chi teacher that I started studying for three years. And after three years, I met my teacher that I spent for eight years um, with. And so just kind of like, that's how it started. Like my taking of the life that I was given became sort of my retribution was to my way of kind of paying back for what I have done is to dedicate my life to helping others. So for the life that I've taken, I I took that and I made a promise to do everything possible to devote my life to others. So that's how I ended up getting on a spiritual journey and, you know, to where I'm at. It was like that trauma of abortion. Do you feel you're at the place now that you've totally forgiven yourself for that? Yes, I wasn't ready. I, you know, I tell people like if I had a kid when I was 21, I would, I would probably destroy my child. I would be this permissive parent that sets no boundaries, that says yes, that gives everything to a child, thinking that I am doing right by the child, not realizing that I'm actually just destroying my child's confidence and not instilling trust in self because, you know, I would be one of those parents that wants to protect a child from everything, ever getting hurt, you know. And I wasn't really ready. Uh, looking back onto it, I don't think that I was ready to be, a, to be a mother, to be a mother to a child that that child deserves to have. Yeah. Um, I would have passed on generational trauma in a different way because, you know, what do we do when we come from a history of trauma? We either repeat the cycle or we go the opposite because you don't have like, you don't have somebody that role model how to find the middle path, the middle way, you know, it's not going from one extreme to another. It's finding that middle path. Yeah. You know, and I have definitely seen that with my clients who come from the history of trauma and they have kids and they're like, they're like sort of uh, fear of, losing the kid or hurting the kid or something bad happening to a kid totally uh, disabled the child from being able to navigate the life in the way they they are capable of navigating, you know? And those children struggle with self-esteem issues and confidence because the parent was so afraid and so nervous and so anxious and overprotective. And mm -hmm. I've, I've seen that time after time with all good intentions, you know, for sure. Um, you can actually end up not helping your child, you know. Mm. So. Um, I appreciate all your vulnerability and your transparency. Um, being a mother with trauma history, I understand what you're saying so completely. I do, however, feel like there's a reason for everything and everything that happens for us in our life was meant to happen to either teach us a lesson, help us grow into the people that we're supposed to become. And I, I'm pretty, I have those moments too, but I, my son has, he's 15 and I say this, I, I always say this, I think parents say this always about their children, but I'm just so proud of him. Like he's made this vow to not drink or ever do drugs. Mm. And that's very rare for a 15 yeah. year old. And I've had parents say, oh, that he'll never stick with that. That will never happen. And I always say, well, that is a possibility. But still for him to have that kind of thinking and that kind of of intention as a 15 year old, I think that's just wonderful. And I also feel that 
children, they, like, you couldn't consciously choose your parents, but they were still your parents. And even though you went through all this trauma, you're still here sitting with me having this beautiful conversation and you're using what you've been through to help other people. And to me, then that means everything is valuable. Like nothing is wasted. We don't have to waste one single experience that happens to us in our life. Yeah, I'm just processing everything that you said. (laughs) Absolutely. No, you absolutely. It's like life is like a masterpiece. Mm, I can't believe you just said that. I say that all the time. Yes, it is. I I wrote I wrote a poem a long time ago about that. You know, it's like there's a canvas, right, blank, and and you are painting it, and you have no idea what it's going to become. But every stroke, every shade that you use, it's going to play into this beautiful landscape, a landscape of that creation, right? And you mm-hmm. have no idea at what point you're complete with that creation, you know? And absolutely, I agree with you. Um, Everything is working for you, even when you think it's working against you. Yeah. Everything is here to teach you about yourself and to help you to remember yourself. And... I, on some strange, <clears throat> some strange level, really feel like I have consciously chose to take this on. For whatever reason, my soul wanted to take this on. But I've decided to take this on. And which is why, like, the whole the path of self-love is such a big thing for me. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, uh, d- working on to develop a healthy and vibrant and vivacious relationship with yourself. It's so important to me because I've learned that trauma separates you from yourself and from others and from the world. It fragments you into pieces. And, but at the same time, it's there to, to help you to work, to it's there like to help you to get to the, your destination. Your soul has a destination, right? And you really don't know what that destination is, but there is. And as much as you feel like at one time I realized like, oh, as much as all of this trauma experience, it was really actually working for me to connect with divine, to come back to divine, to come back to myself, to embrace to restore my wholeness and embrace my wholeness, to see my sacredness, to, you know, embrace myself with love and compassion. And, and so it's, yeah, you, you cannot, yeah, there's unpleasant things that we experience in life and we don't want, and our ego throws the tantrum. I just had a tantrum early on with somebody over the phone. <laughs> and I was like, that's not the way I want to show up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, like, now not, we're getting real here. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm not really proud of myself. Like I yeah, I went into my survival mode and I was like, mm-hmm. ah, you know. <laughs> and and I was like, okay, come back, come back yeah. to yourself. You know, this is like all being like, you know, part of human experience, but mm-hmm. I can't help that my body is wired watching my parents react the way they reacted with anger and anxiety and aggression and sometimes I find myself like my body going into that place it's like yeah you know it's like my body betrays me and I have to like okay come back come back you know it's like um takes me a few moments to like reset myself and come back but I definitely agree with you um and everything that your child is experiencing is part of his journey yeah. Part of his growth. You of know, it's course. Like, you know, and it's beautiful. Yeah. I love, I, I want to talk about when you're talking about the soul being fragmented and us and that happening for us to connect with the divine 
and how you brought up being an artist and painting, because I'm literally looking at one of my paintings right now. And I also wrote a poem about being a masterpiece. We'll have to like swap poems one day. Yeah, um, I have to find it. Yes, yeah, definitely. But I, I had this visual image and that it really came through when you were talking because I feel and think similarly is that trauma anything that happens to us that we go through and trauma doesn't always have to be something big. I mean, we can have traumatic experiences from something that might even seem insignificant and small to somebody else. It's all how our nervous system responds to that. But when I saw all these like fragmented pieces, I've always looked at, there's so much space. There's more space than matter. And everything is created from nothing. Form comes from the formless, right? God divine creates everything. So I see the space that is in between all these fragmented pieces of our soul as just pieces of vibrating like frequency. And now they're over here and space allows room for grace to come in, allows room for God to show up in our lives, allows room for us not to have to rely and depend on solely us to do, to be, to grow, to heal, because we're truly not in it alone. Like to take that on all by ourselves is such a a heavy burden, right? And when we realize sometimes those fragmented pieces, I feel aren't even truly us. I really truly feel that anything that we think that we can lose, that is a piece of us was not really the truth of us to begin with. It was just some illusion of an identity that was attached to some story or timeline in our life. And that goes so that we can then really truly feel what's underneath that and then we can be invited into this divine spiritual process and the capacity that we have as spiritual beings having a human experience for compassion for grace for forgiveness it's such a beautiful thing because even in my own experience i have had the most wild blissful ecstatic spiritual mystical experiences from just being in the deep meditative state with nothing else just or sitting connecting to my heart and really listening what my heart wanted in the moment and then being disciplined and following that and then having this incredible experience and one thing that I've learned through my my um, journey of helping people heal guiding them to love themselves and to discover the power that's in them is underneath it all. Even though we're unique, we are so similar in our human experience. We experience the same emotions. We might have different stories, different trauma that we label it as, but we experience some of the same deep emotions like grief and worry and fear and feeling like we're not enough, abandonment, rejection, like we all as a human collective have experienced that. And that has developed in me so much compassion. And for me, that's a spiritual fruit. Like nobody can take that away from me because that's from my own personal and spiritual growth. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things that can come out of trauma. I always say um, everything births from darkness. And that's where, like Rumi says, that's where the light gets in, in the wound, right? Yeah. So I just love that little imagery that came to me when you're sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Rumi is a beautiful soul. <laughs> yes. Seem to, we seem to share a lot in common. Yeah, in a, in Hinduism, there is God Shiva, and Shiva is destroyer, uh, destroyer of illusion, mm -hmm. destroyer of ignorance, and, you know, destruction is part of creation. Um, pain is part of birthing, Yeah, and the pain is also part of death, 
um, in a literal sense or metaphorical sense. So that's just sort of part of being in the human form, just having to experience like all shades of of that life that you can possibly experience. You know, but the key is like being able to, you know, to discern what is false because, you know, what the trauma does, you know, because it's so traumatic and painful, whatever we're experiencing is that um, as a children, we create stories about ourselves, why this is happening. And mm -hmm. we give meanings and because we're such a egocentric beings as a children and we think that the world moves because of us, of course, we take a credit for everything that is happening, you know? And so that becomes a sort of conundrum when we fall into the illusion and, you know, in Buddhism and Hinduism to talk about Maya. This is, you know, we enter the in the womb of illusion here. Um, and the illusion is what? The illusion is like, the meanings that we give to ourselves and also the meanings that we internalize other people's understanding and meanings of that they have of life and themselves. So it's kind of like when you enter this world, a lot of people are confused to begin with what life is and what self is. And then you enter into this already big confusion and you take it on and, you know, you you slip in into the illusion and the path of coming back to yourself is coming back out of that illusion uh, yeah. of self. Yeah. I love that so much, but we came here for it. We're here. So we came here for it. <laughs> yeah, we, we did. We did. We came, it's kind of, we came in and to liberate ourselves. It's kind of like the journey of liberating ourselves from what is untrue. Yeah. You know? The journey from liberating ourselves from what is untrue. That could be your next book title <laughs> or your first book title. <laughs> yeah. And was, my clients always say, it's like, oh, when you want to write a book? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just like, whatever I told you just flew out of me and then it's gone. And I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I understand that. I call those divine downloads. I'm just, I'm just saying what drops in. For sure. Yeah. Well, I feel like I could talk to you forever. I do have a couple of closing questions. Mm -hmm. I just like throwing people in the deep end. So I didn't share them with you. That's fine. Through your whole entire life experience in one or two sentences, what would be the life wisdom that you'd want to leave here today for those people listening in? The life wisdom. Believe and trust in love. Love is your power. Love is your strength. Love is your foundation. And love is your truth. <laughs> when I hear something like that, it's like a warm blanket wrapping around like my insides. So that's so beautiful. When you hear winning the divine lottery, what does your heart say? Mm -hmm. um, I have become one with God. <laughs> I'm I'm silently screaming and saying hallelujah. <laughs> oh, that was so good. That was so good. Uh, I love your questions. They're really good. Where can people find you? Um they well i'm about to launch my website um called um uh, selfrelationalstudy.com that's the actual domain name but um my business is called the center for self-relational study um and it's gonna be launched in a couple of weeks and i'm looking forward to it and um i have some blogs there but um and uh so it's interesting. I wrote some few blogs on on love, the origin of love, and how one can come into a loving relationship with themselves. So, yeah, I love that. And don't you have a podcast coming out? Oh yeah, 
Well, uh, morning chai with Mirabai. That's the that's my podcast. You know, um, chai is like something that my teacher introduced me to, and my favorite part of the day is morning because I have my chai, and four o'clock afternoon. Me and my teacher would sit, and we will just have a talk and conversation. And it was the most like nutrying, loving time where we'll have we will have darshan. Darshan meaning sitting with truth. And we mm. will just sit with truth and talk. And um when I was thinking about doing the podcast, I really wanted to bring that into the space. So it becomes like, come and have a chai with me and just let's just talk. Let's just Let's just talk about love and self-discovery. And I love that you know. so much. And when are you launching yours? Oh my God. I haven't committed yet. That was just telling <laughs> my group of people. I was like, oh, <clears throat> let's commit to a date when I'm going to launch. So um, I'm going to say, I'm going to give myself a little leeway, but I'm going to say January 1st, 2024, I will launch my, um, um, my podcast. Wonderful. Well, that would be a great way to start off the new year. Yes. It would, Wonderful. It would be a really, really, really great way. So I would love to have you on my podcast. And I would love to be a guest. Yeah. Yeah. Really well, thank you so much, Mirabai. It was so wonderful chatting with you here today. Oh, my heart's full. Oh, thank you so much. And just like, wow. <laughs> uh I am so grateful for this opportunity and I get to learn from you. Like this is my first experience of it. Um, so, and I'm such an experiential learner. So like, this is like, oh, priceless, um, <laughs> priceless teaching. So no, you're teaching me right now. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you so much. Let's recap today's winning takeaways. When we heal, others heal. We can go through insurmountable trauma and still be led by love. Life is like a masterpiece. Everything is working for you even when you think it's working against you. Everything is here to teach you about yourself and help you remember yourself. We don't have to take on the heavy things on our own. Believe and trust in love. Love is your power, strength, foundation, and truth. Thanks so much for joining me here today. I hope you loved this episode and enjoyed all the great takeaways. Please subscribe to my podcast and leave me a review. I would love to hear your feedback. And do go ahead and share this with family and friends so that we can all be inspired to winning the divine lottery. Hop on over to my Instagram at amydons1111 for more daily inspiration. We'll see you soon.